0: Man, welcome back to another episode of the Where It Went podcast, where we are discussing the Revelation Records discography in
1: chronological order. And we actually have a really cool episode today. What do we got, Greg? So today we're talking about uh, Revelation number five, one of my favorites. Side by side, your only young once seven-inch, and we have a very special guest today—the drummer on that record, Sammy Siegler—who. Drummed for Youth of Today, Judge, Project X, Glass Jaw. Limp Bizkit, Limp Bizkit, um, Shelter now, Shelter. He drummed for Bold on a tour. He drummed for Gorilla Biscuits at the end. Uh, Rival Schools. I could, oh, I could yeah. go on, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, on and on and on. Yeah. Uh, and he was just awesome to talk to. Super cool guy. And so we talked to him and we actually have a cameo from our friend Luke from Gorilla Biscuits that we talked to last episode Yeah, that was a
0: nice surprise to be able to talk to Luke about the side-by-side record And I think it's gonna put an interesting spin on the whole thing and give kind of an outside perspective That we weren't, you know, we, we weren't gonna have and then we just talked to him and we got it So yeah, let's just dive right into the Sammy interview and see how that goes. Let's do it. Cool Sick of things away there! It's about
2: time that we had a chair!
0: What's up? All right, we're here with Sammy. Uh, Going to talk about the side-by-side 7-inch. Um, Greg and I have been talking a lot about this 7-inch over the past few days, and we have some questions for you, and we realized that we've never heard you talk about the side-by-side 7-inch at all. You know, everybody wants to talk about Judge or Youth of Today or a glass jaw or limp biscuit or whatever, you know, but like the side-by-side, it just doesn't come up that much.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I guess, um, you know, some of those guys maybe aren't as around in the scene these days, so it's not like they're chatting about it. And and yeah, I have, I guess, other things to touch on. It is interesting. I was looking at even like the merch that's available for side-by-side, and there's really only like one t-shirt and one long sleeve. You know, it just seems... Yeah, odd that we never really, um, you know, kind of just expanded on these different things or, or sort of, you know, fed it. Because a lot of the other bands, you know, I guess it comes down to the other bands are playing. Judge is playing. Give Today is playing. Um, but yeah, Side by Side is special. I'm happy to talk about it. Thanks for doing it.
0: So how old were you when you recorded the Side by Side 7-inch?
2: Um, so forgive me, because some of it is sort of blurry, but I think that I was 12 years old. I'm pretty Jeez, sure it was like... Man uh 73 hold on a second let me just do the math so it's recorded
0: Um, in 87 right okay yeah i'm looking now it came out in 87
2: i take that yeah i think it was recorded in 86 sure like i was in the band in 86 so i think then um so then i'm sorry i was 13 years old the copyright says 88 on the on the label i'm looking at the the label for the Seven I, mean, I went to, like, my memory is this, I went to the Birth of Unity show, I was born in 1973. I went to the Birth of Unity show in 1985, because I have the flyer, right? That was in Freeport, Long Island, Birth of Unity show, um, I was with Walter's little brother Dylan, my friend Chris, drove out there, and, um, but that was 85, and I think I was in Gorilla Biscuits at that time, briefly, and then I joined Side by Side shortly after. And so that was, I'm, I'm pretty sure I was in side by side in 86. And I think we were playing, I think there are flyers that say like 86 maybe. We probably recorded, so to answer your question, I think we, I would say we recorded in 86 and that came out in 87, you're saying? So. Yeah, the,
1: the copyright says 88, but everything I saw too with reviews, because we were looking through and looking at um, reviews of the 7-inch, and like all the reviews were like, this is great, dot, 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 but there's bad news. The band already broke up.
2: Interesting, man, it's weird, uh you know, yeah, I mean it, it was so a lot of those bands weren't around that long when I think about like a band like Siv, which was around for five or six years and touring, it was a long time, you know, um but in all reality, like the other bands, you know, we did like a summer tour, maybe you know, or you know, but a lot of weekends so it's like we didn't really play a lot of shows, we didn't do a lot of touring, especially side by side, never. You know, toward the U.S. Uh, I'm trying to think of like the furthest we went was probably, you know, Buffalo. I'm sure we went to like D.C. or something, but a lot of Philly and you know the Anthrax and the Pyramid and Seabees really. So awesome. you're 12, 13, and you come out with this
0: this record that's you're only young once, so don't fuck it up. Yes. Now, as a as a parent now. And you start to think about what your kids are going to be doing when they're 12 or 13. What did your parents think of this? Of just the whole thing, like the, the bad words and the loud yeah. and all that stuff. I
2: grew up in New York City, so you kind of grow up quickly, I guess, or in downtown Manhattan. Um, you know, when I was in Side by Side, I had already gone through like a punk rock kind of drug phase, to be honest. Like, I was, me and Matt Pincus from Judge were like, smoking pot after school. And like we were into punk rock and we kind of were in that phase at like age 11 and 12. He had a Mohawk and we were punk, we were into it. And um, I joined a band called Noise Police that my sister got me into, which was with these like two older kids that later went on to be in the Skedanks, Noise Police with a Z. But we were like reggae and ska and punk and they covered Power by Agnostic Front. So that was sort of my intro to hardcore. And then you know, my friend met Walter's brother, Dylan, and Dylan was like, my brother's got this band Gorilla Biscuits. They need a drummer. And I remember like, I think I still had a leather jacket on, like a punk rock leather jacket when I met those guys in 85. And I started playing Gorilla Biscuits. And even then, like Gorilla Biscuits was kind of wacky. We had a song called uh, the Mr. T song about Mr. T. T doesn't, T don't die. He just goes to hell to regroup, sucker. Um, There was a different version of better than you that we played and, but again, it was like, I think I was still smoking cigarettes. You know, I was just like, I didn't know about Straight Edge. I didn't know, it wasn't around. Um, I didn't know about the the hardcore scene that, you know, I ended up kind of really getting into. And But those guys were really my intro to it. Um, and then I wasn't that good and they kicked me out. But my friend, uh, you know, sort of to kind of answer your question, this sort the long way, but like my friend Chris Burr met Jules, um, Jules Massey who I guess he was going to the tram to go to Roosevelt Island or something like that. I feel like they met on, on that tram and um, same kind of, you know, conversation. It was like, I've got a band called Side by Side. We need a drummer. Chris is like, my friend, Sam's got this, you know, he can do it. And I ended up joining Side by Side. My parents, you know, were ultimately supportive. I mean, their thing was like, I was into it. She, the, the guys in these bands were a little bit older. They were always around. my My, my house on 15th Street was sort of like, the clubhouse. My mom was always down. She would make food. Everyone could hang. So she knew these people. You know, she knew Purcell was a good dude. She knew that Jules was a sweet guy. Like Billy um, broke his leg at one point and he lived in like a five flat walk up and couldn't get into his house. So my mom invited him to stay with us. So Billy stayed with us for a while. So, you know, yeah, to answer your question, they were supportive. I think, um, you know, my dad plays drums. My grandfather played drums. I was playing music. They would take me to CB's because I couldn't get in. To play so they would you know they would take me um my they would take me to the old ritz occasionally my older sister would take me to these places so you know they were smart you could sniff it out i mean as a parent now you could sniff it out when there's some weird people around and i think you know yeah purcell ray capo you know jules these guys yeah i mean Porcel hangs out
0: Porcel hangs out at our house uh, with my <laughs> kids you know and it's the same thing like we, he's still a good dude and and you know it's so i yeah i get it it you you have like a little bit of an intuition and you know it, we know that there's nothing really bad going on it's just a little wild sometimes
2: yeah and we were playing shows and i think my parents must have seen that i was really into it like i remember making that banner the side-by-side banner there's like a photo i think from the pyramid or something with this big banner and like i remember painting that i probably with my friend chris on the floor of my parents place So, you know, when you see your kids kind of that excited about doing something, um, I remember for some reason having the money, like, I don't know why I was the dude to hold the money, but like at age, you know, 12 or 13, like a little, and it wasn't a lot, but just whatever cash we made from something, um, I would make stickers. There was this kid, I forgot his name, but he would hang out a lot. And we were like, we would make stickers, you know, we made these side by side stickers. Um, So I was really it felt like my first band like that I was really in that I was able to like, I guess, DIY, like just really, we're going to do, let's make everything, you know, and Billy made those side by side shirts, the original ones. Um, Alex Brown did a lot of the layouts, you know, for a lot of things, but it was Scotch tape and cutting things out and bringing it to the, the printer, you know, around the corner. And so I think my parents probably saw that in me and were supportive too of just like, I'm psyched, man. I'm going to learn. And I I got into playing drums more because, you know, also as a parent, it's interesting, like I'm trying to teach my daughter, you know, an instrument and it's hard. I remember like, like why did I get so into it? And I think when I got into it is by being in a band. It makes you want to get better for that next rehearsal. You know, the idea that you're going to be able to actually record a song, you're going to practice extra hard for that and want to get into it. So that's, that side by side really kicked me into high gear for wanting to like, to actually learn how to play drums. So we, we,
1: our last episode was about the together comp. Yeah. And we were talking about the, it didn't list the lineup. Was it the Gavin from burn and absolution
2: was in the band. Was he
1: in originally or did he join at the end? Yeah, I never... He was originally
2: in the band. Um, and I don't know why he left. I mean, there was no drama that I recall, but you know, he left and Alex joined. It was interesting too with side by side because You know, Luke, Lukey Luke was like kind of this like other member of the band. Like Luke wrote The Time Is Now. Um, He might have wrote some other songs. Him and Eric Fink were really tight. They grew up in Brooklyn, like in the same, like, you know, blocks away from each other. So there was like this Luke connection too, to the band. And like he might have even played like before I was in the band or something for a second and then maybe had to leave to do uh, Warzone or something. But so there was this Luke connection. There was definitely Gavin. Um, I remember there's photos from it was a club Pizzazz show in Philly with Pagan Babies side by side. Youth of Today. I've got some photos from that, and there's and Gavin's in that a lot of those photos. So yeah, he's, he's in been,
1: the photos. It looks like in in the comp.
2: Yeah, um, so I don't know. If we that's were... question though: if he played on Bounce to Fade or not, he might have. That was the yeah. first song that I ever. That was the first song I ever recorded. That song, it. and
0: so we had a question about uh, the recording of a lot of this stuff on the Together comp. Like, how was that all arranged? You just recorded the one song Did everyone split studio time, or did? No, you wasn't that in? I think
2: you just you went. I'm just guessing, but I'm sure it was just like, hey, we need a song by this date. Like, go get it. So everybody did. I'm sure they were all recorded. You know, I'm sure. A were, yeah, but probably other studios too, and and we just. Um, someone you know just booked it and we went in and did it um, but just, just that one song just a one-off if I recall and then it was probably hey we're gonna, the way it is is happening and so then so, the, so the, the way it is is what dead serious and the time is now is that what's on it or the, the other seven inches just violence to fade and the way it is I think has two other songs come on guys do your homework coach. <laughs> I don't know right
1: uh yeah, side side by side was dead serious and
2: time is now. Yeah,
1: on, on the uh LP
2: was the seven inch out already? By the way, the by the time the uh the way it is, I think it might have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it
0: went it went together and then the seven inch and then the way it is. So it's interesting that this the the two comps. You know, a lot of the band like Gorilla Biscuits has the same song on both, and Youth Today has the same song on both. But then now side-by-side side has if you want those three extra songs that aren't on the seven inch you got to get both records so it's like matt that's this is already starting the like revelation records collection the madness the completest in you if you want all the side-by-side songs you have to get all three records
2: right because violence to Fate is on this yes yeah yeah i guess um it's interesting but i, I do remember when um just when Luke brought in The Time Is Now, and that like that song was just like, oh my God, it was like Stairway to Heaven, you know, it was like this epic, you know, it felt like a just more sophisticated, more grown up kind of, you know, complex song. Um, and then we recorded the Seven Inch, I think we did that in a day, you know, probably for a couple hundred bucks, like that was interesting. I just listened to it before this uh, interview. And it's wild, man, that Seven Inch is really interesting. I think what's kind of cool about Side by Side is that uh, Eric had this like, I guess sort of like metal kind of thing and he could like play and he had a whammy bar. I remember he had this like effects pedal with like six boss pedals in it. It was like a, a effects, like, like a, a board. Kick, yeah, a board yeah. and he opened it up and it had like these like six boss pedals in it. So he had that sort of bag of tricks and um, and then Billy was like really just like, you know, not that great of a bass player. And and I mean that like with the greatest compliment ever, like there's like a remedialness to it, which is just awesome. It's like kind of that caveman shit that you like about hardcore, you know, do, 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 do. It's awesome. And it's super raw and like,
1: you know, primitive sounding. But I think back to like my first band when I was 16 was fucking terrible. And like, I hear this and these are like, Fully realized hardcore songs that people still, you know, bands still cover these songs like over 30 years later. You go, you know, you go to a show, yeah. There's just, a lot of
2: great mosh parts, you know. Um, I think like you're only on one mosh part, there's just every song it's just mandatory, like m- one or two or three mosh parts, which is you know always makes for great hardcore, yeah. And um, some
0: good sing alongs like uh, My Life to Live, and yeah, you know, there's and Jules
2: was like, you know, Jules was a special guy too, he was pure passion and like just fire and, uh, um, you know, great lyrics, you know, live, obviously like he would talk a lot in between songs and kind of go on these rants. So when we did that Civ record, Set Your Goals, we, we actually sampled Jules. Um, Jesus Christ, what are you a bunch of fucking pussies? Like Yeah, oh. that's
1: what I was going to ask. Cause when I was younger, I remember being like Luke from War, you know, I so was. That's like, what, four- so we
2: must've been playing The Time Is Now because he was introing that song of like, I want to see Luke going off to his own music. Yes, because Luke wrote this song.
1: And we're waiting so for this
2: guy to tour. Tune. No, waiting for this guy to tune. Wait tune, guy to tune. That's it. I see. I never knew that. I thought he said tour, like he was like wanting yeah. Luke to. wait for this guy to tune, and then, then we got into it. But um, yeah, but Jules would just go on these rants that were just awesome. Um, another thought in listening to the EP before this is that that song "Look Back." I wrote the lyrics to "Look Back," and again, I was twelve years old. What did I have to look back on? Nothing. What are we looking back on?
1: Kindergarten.
2: Yeah, nothing. So I thought that was funny, but I remember I have that notebook probably somewhere of like just handwritten, you know, look back, the lyrics. But it was cool that I was able to contribute that they let me, it was awesome that they used those lyrics. Um, and uh, yeah, just, I mean, so many other elements. I think I love, what I love about old Don Fury recordings are some of the, uh, the digital delay. Like, you're living a lie, 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 lie. I mean, Don had this one effects thing. When you were in a studio, you would like look up and there was this one like blue, slim little effects thing. And, and we always got excited if we were able to use it. And it made it on a bunch of records. But I just think that's cool. You know, Eric's, all the dive bombs and stuff. And, and just that the combination, like, and for myself, not being that good, but like wanting to be good. So trying these crazy fills, but also just like, Again, that remedial, I I appreciate that so much more now as a musician and adult. Like, I love that remedial shit. Like, I love the Sick of It All demo, you know? I love the, you know, altercation or, like, breakdown. It's just, like, so fucking primal, just caveman shit. I think Side by Side has that. um, Oh, definitely. The Side
1: by Side record, I think, too, has just this real sense of, like, youthful urgency. Like... Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like guys, like if I started a band, another band now, we, I wouldn't be able to capture that that sound of that seven inch because it was of its time in a good way, like capturing like what hardcore is, just raw, primitive,
3: youth.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess the other thing too is that we worked you know, on it. I mean, we would go to Giant Studios um, and we would rehearse a lot and work on these tunes. We would have like, shows in these rehearsal rooms actually like a a handful of our friends would come by and mosh in the in the rehearsal room but i remember like really yeah just taking it seriously i mean there was work that went into these songs and i think for a lot of those bands back then too like it didn't just you know it wasn't uh didn't just come magically like i think we put the time in to like get that fucking mosh part to um Da, 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 I guess it's your only own once, but um yeah, just just to try to get it as tight as possible and make the songs the best they could be. I think so the oh, no oh, go ahead. Off. Go ahead, Greg. I was gonna say the seven inch, that was
1: I guess the first full piece of recorded music you played on, right? The like there was the together comp, but I mean as far as like your own band.
2: Yeah, my own release. I mean, that was it. Um I'm trying to think of Noise Police ever did anything. No, that was it. That was my first seven inch Revelation Records. You know, it was an exciting time. We used to open up for Youth of Today a lot. So we do these road trips with Youth Today. I was a huge Youth Today fan. You know, I had Breakdown the Walls, Can't Close My Eyes. So now I'm around these guys. I got a seven inch out of Revelation Records. We're playing shows. I mean, it was a great time. And the other thing which was cool looking back um, about the scene at that time and Side by Side specifically is that. You know, we would play with like Warzone and we would play with YDL and we'd play with Youth Today and we'd play with Altercation, you know, and and um, there was just like this kind of melting pot aspect of the scene at that time where it was just like punk and skin and straight edge. And, you know, the way it is comp kind, of kind of reflects that. But that was a really, that was a special time, you know, before things kind of got a little more, you know, the straight edge shows were only the straight edge shows and then there's that. But I just love that like, we were sort of like brother bands with um, you know, Altercation and YDL too. And you know, Luke and Eric kind of, I think, grew up around Rishi. There was like that connection and just, I don't know. It was um, for a year there in 87, it was, uh, I love that aspect of it. And some records being around, you could go to Sixth Street, hang out at some records. It was just an organized time for the scene with a lot of different players involved.
1: Yeah, and even though the record's on Revelation, like, I always thought, too, it wasn't as, like, heavy-handed of a straight-edge record. Like, yeah, living a Lie has, you know, you ate your words, you drank your words, but the lyrics were more universal than just being, like, all that straight-edge or whatever.
2: Yeah, there was bands that kind of had one leg in and one leg out, and it, it was fine at the time. I mean, Youth Today obviously was, like, all in, but even Gorilla Biscuits at the time weren't really preaching straight edge i don't think right i mean i mean the guys were but it wasn't really the same way that youth today or or say bold were and side by side as well it was just um you know i was straight edge uh and yeah i don't know who else was i mean it seems like probably everyone except eric maybe but but yeah it wasn't like i think definitely everybody except eric but it wasn't um it was just fine. We were still, you know, it wasn't like needed at that time for side by side. It wasn't really fully what we were about. We were just, um, singing about other subjects, you know? What I was going to say was, um, you know, we talked about the,
0: you talked about the rawness and the, the urgency and that comes through in the layout as well. And all of the photos of the band, like everyone looks a little bit angrier, than maybe some of the other releases, you know, especially on Together, you got sick of it all, and Super Touch, and this is just a little bit harder. Jules looks, you know, he, he's like really mad and 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 finger pointing and stuff. And then you got the LL Cool J element in there, which we wanted to t- touch on as well. Do you remember anything yeah, about? Uh, I don't
2: really. I mean, it was all Alex, and you know, and that's LL Cool J, but. Uh... I don't. I really don't remember that. Um, but it's awesome. I think it's just one of those things that's just like so cool that that happened. You know, it's such. Yeah, a nice, New yeah. York hardcore
0: has always seemed to have a little bit of like a flirtation with hip hop, and you know, I imagine that comes from being in the '80s in New York City. It's just kind of the soundtrack to the streets. Everyone's playing it, and you. Yeah. You're not with Beastie also, a lot Boys of talking about do. it.
2: Yeah, and a lot of the older guys, um, you know, older, they were probably 17 or 18, but like Richie, Birkenhead, and Ray Capo, um, and Gavin, and Purcell, I think, like, and Ray B's. like, those guys worked at these nightclubs, where, you know, um, Audio 2 was performing, or the VCs were performing, or, you know, Early Public Enemy, or whatever it was, um, they worked at Dance Interior, they worked at the Tunnel, they worked at these places, so there was that real connection I remember like Ray Capo yeah playing audio too a lot you know or Alex Brown being hip to Boogie Down Productions and listening to that cassette on the Youth Today tour so there was always that that thing and yeah like I mean you know early hip-hop was was pissed it was primal it was rebel music it was really raw too in its own way so it felt just like yep it's right there with us you know um so i don't know uh yeah i don't know what alex's inspiration was i mean other than just i guess ll and dude standing tough but um it's super cool yeah it's really cool it's funny too i was actually googling up some um googling researching looking for some flyers um side by side flyers i was trying to think about yeah just looking at some stuff but um But I made a lot of those flyers, which is interesting. Like my handwriting, my 12-year-old handwriting is like scribbled at the bottom of one I saw the other day. The other people that contributed too, who I feel like was part of our sort of side-by-side world, I mean, there was Luke for sure, but there was also this dude, Hugh, Hugh Skin, who was a a friend of ours. He used to skate in Washington Square Park, but he's a really talented artist. So some of the better flyers, some of the better drawings, if you look closely, it might say Hugh Skin on it. and he was down with us. He was like part of our, our squad. Um, yeah. Luke and Hugh and also was kind of, we had a little side by side squad of our own, but yeah, I don't know. That That's my thought on the, on the art. So
1: the, like I said, in the reviews that I saw looked like the band had broken up. Do you, I mean, I can't remember much from when I was 12, 13, as far as like anything. Do you remember why side-by-side ended?
2: I don't. I really don't. Um, I don't know. I really don't. Um, I'd love to know, though. I'd love to know how it stopped. And, um, you know, I joined Youth Today after that. But I must, I don't think it was like, you know, they over, they, I don't think they ran into each other. I think side-by-side had stopped. And, and then I joined Youth Today. But I don't know, man. We should get like Jules on this, this call somehow and, and loop someone in that. That can elaborate on. Yeah, like
1: somebody, because because I was thinking too. There was, there was a flyer for the Roger murray from Agnostic Front benefit. It looks like Side by Side did a reunion show, right? This was '88. Like I remembered seeing the flyer, there was like a benefit at
2: CB's, right? And like Straight Ahead played, I think. Yes.
1: So that might have been the only time you played where the record was out. Like I'm trying to think chronologically.
2: Yeah. I mean, shit. I don't know. I mean, I just know that if we were a band, you know, for a solid what year, like 86 and 87. So I feel like we were already, you know, it makes sense that we broke up in 88 because we were already a band for two years. That's a lot back then. You know, that's like, you don't go out with your girlfriend for that long when you're 14, 15 years old, you know? Nah.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, Alone as a Crowd comes out with Jules after that. And, and then the crowd, yeah. Alone, Alone in a Crowd... Yeah. Alone in a crowd played what a year or so ago. So has there ever been any talk about side by side playing some songs anywhere
2: since then? Not really. I think I've reached out to Jules when um when uh Alone in a crowd thing was happening and I kind of put it in his ear. Like I'm, you know, I'm always down to explore it. My whole thing with those reunions is that it just depends on where everyone's head is at and if people are still playing music and if they're and still into hardcore and appreciate it and there's some connection like with Youth Today and Judge like I know that we're all still connected to it and we all play our instruments but um but the uh but for side by side you know I don't really know again like I I remember like Jules reached out to me when I was doing Civ I hadn't spoke to him in years just kind of like hey man congratulations and it was great to hear from him but it just didn't you know he seemed so far removed from hardcore I think he was like a merchant marine at the time or something so um so, you know, again, yeah, I just don't know. I, unfortunately, and I'm about to reach out to those guys for a few things, but um, I just, I don't keep in touch with them the same way that I guess I do some of the other guys. Right. Um, with like but Corsell I was or... the crowd thing. I think Jules stepped up and, and did a great job.
1: Yeah. it I, I'm in Philly and I, for whatever reason, I passed on going. I don't know if it was one of these things where I was like, I wanted to keep the, the, you know, keep the mystique. And I, it was winter, and I don't leave the house. Uh, I could give a bunch of reasons. And then I saw the videos, and I'm like, fuck. I fucked yeah. up. Like, you're only young once. Don't fuck it up. Well, I was old, and I fucked it up. Yeah. Because, like, know, it, he like sounded great. Yeah. Like, he still said cool stuff between songs. Because I was thinking, like, you you were in bands with two of the more, like, mysterious frontmen. At least when I got into hardcore, it was like, where's Mike Judge? Well, right. you know, now – you know, we know a lot more about Mike and luckily I've gotten to see judge, which is something I never thought would happen in my life. Cool. But also then it was like, what's up with Jules? I heard, you know, like you said, I heard he was in the Navy or the Marines or whatever, yeah. or, you know, and then, so even him doing the one show was cool. Cause like he did the show and then it was like, we're only doing this show. And you know, every band says that and you're like, right. And they really did only do that one show.
2: Yeah, I'm, I, um, no, I agree. And I feel that way about the other guys too. I mean, um, about Eric and about Billy's. I just, you know, I've always heard little updates and, and that they're doing well and stuff, but I just don't, um, yeah, I'd love to connect with them. I think Billy's been doing a lot of comics and stuff, which is great. And, and I think Eric's in Arizona. Um, yeah, I don't know about a, you know, reunion, but definitely a, a phone call. <laughs>
3: so,
0: um, I, kind of a, a last question records you only you're only young once don't fuck it up uh do you think that you did it right do you think that you did all this right do you have anything else that you wish you would have done with side by side i know you didn't fuck it up but do you think that you you did it right when it
2: when it comes to this so i think when it comes to side by side as far as like uh i mean i wish that we did an album i guess like i wish that we made our Start today, or you know, break down the walls, or our album, like definitely. Um, but you know, that I'm also happy with what we did. I'm a little bummed on the, like the discography kind of thing. Like, when I'm looking at that stuff now, I'm actually talking to some of the folks at Rev about uh, just kind of like going back to the um, just the original, like the seven inch, maybe as a 12 inch, but with the original artwork. Um, and just updating even for streaming. Like, I went to stream it, and you get the that discography artwork, you don't get the the, or that maybe it got changed actually, but for a while. No, I,
1: I'm pretty sure you're
2: right. I think it is the, um, yeah. the 12 inch. So just like I'm a fan of just kind of buttoning shit up a little bit, you know, when it comes to that stuff. So I'm I'm putting a little focus on that, and um, you know, but I think that's also what was going on at the time with vinyl and reissues. It was like let's get every demo, let's get every rehearsal, and da da da. And so then you get like five shitty versions of, you know dead serious or something and it's like the world doesn't really need that man
1: like it would be cool if they just did a, a, a repress of the 7 inch itself same artwork
0: yeah Obviously, like the sick of do, it
1: all one that just came
0: yeah, out they it could looks do something, exactly the same
2: right so, to make- just so we're on the same page because I'm into both your opinions on this a 7 inch has the 12 inch original artwork is that where are we in agreeance?
3: Sure.
2: or you're saying just 7 inch
1: I'm saying just, just the, just seven, the, inch. the 7 inch the side by side 7 inch just repressed different color. So obviously no one can be like, I have an original, right. Um, You know, to me, like I think people would go fucking nuts for
2: it. Okay. But go with me for a second. What about 12 inch with those real songs like violence to fade. And the time is now that aren't on the seven inch. Now you got yourself a nice 12 inch original artwork, but it's a 12 inch and it's like real music. You're not getting the rehearsals and the, and the live shit.
0: Yeah. It That's sounds cool. great. I'll yeah. pre-order. I'll pre-order it right now. With
1: the, with the original, yeah, with the original, like not that there's like, I think the artwork's cool and I see um, it looks like it was uh, you know, the collage is cool.
2: Like it's neat. This would have been cool for, I, I mean, I, I think it's cool, like but cool I want the insert original. Or something like a booklet. It's just, I feel like the cover is the cover, man. You got to be, it's gotta be what it is. So I don't know, I'm just dancing with some of that shit a little bit, but, uh, but I'm psyched that. Yeah. It's a cool release, man. I, I love that one. Yeah. And I mean, for a first real record, I mean,
1: Jesus, you can't <laughs> really, I mean, I was thinking too, one of the things I wanted to add, like your kid, the record comes out. Did you bring copies to school? Like to show it off?
2: Cause I feel like that's what I would have done when I was 13. Like, right. Check it out. It's weird, man. I don't, like I remember being more excited about the demo for some reason. The demo seemed like, oh my gosh, I've got this demo, because uh, demos were a big deal back then. I mean, we used to—they would—you could sell them and, and collect them and things. Um, so uh, I remember just being really excited about the demo tape. I'm sure I must have been excited about the seven-inch. I'm sure I brought it to school. It was like although the band was
1: done, so maybe you were like,
2: I don't care now. I don't like if if the band was done. You know what I mean? Maybe you just thought. Yeah. I would love some clarity on like a timeline, man. If you ever can figure it out, like when did it really break up? And then, yeah, like what, I'm curious as to how long, what I was doing in the, that, those few months or before I joined you today, or maybe it did overlap. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Cause like I said, the, the label itself says 88, um, revelation. Like we were talking that some of the catalog numbers are a little, we have our work cut out for us, I think. Cause there's some that are like, missing numbers and there's some like one of the things that revelation does that i don't know i don't know that all like when they reissue something like this is still revelation and i'm holding the 12 inch for people that are listening um it's revelation number five but this came out like in 1997
2: but they just considered
1: it like the same number yeah i think it was like a
2: repackaging again it was like that time i think they did with judge they did with bold there were some Youth Today, things with different covers. I just think that's what was going on at the time. Um, but I feel like the ones that stayed classic are, are, was the smartest move. But yeah, the, uh, what else about Side, by Side is interesting? I just think it's interesting, we had a couple songs that when we were talking about we should have made a 12-inch, we started writing... Yeah, I feel like The Time Is Now is the beginning of some more like better songwriting, but we also had those other songs, Fun, right? Was it uh, Clean uh, Fun. Uh, Good Clean Fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Billy Bitter wrote that song. Um, that yeah, was a weird like a,
0: a live version of it or a demo version of it on the 12-inch.
2: In Philadelphia, it says. Live in Philadelphia. Yeah. Oh, and then we covered Sick of Things the Way They Are. It's about time we had a change. Right? There's a cool live... Isn't that the live version where the guy... I think that was at the Pyramid and the sound man was fucking around and put the delay button on Jules' vocal and he was like it, it is like all right this song is called sick of things the way they are it's about time that we had a change, change yeah there's two change, uh
1: change, two songs change. from the pyramid on here then uh two songs from rehearsals in new york violence to fade and so fucking blind right which was on the demo which the demos on here and it's weird that for the compilation songs violence to fade wasn't on here but is it is it a different session than the demo i forget
2: uh i don't know i don't
0: know one of the things that we do on this podcast also is greg and i talk about hot tracks so we always uh say our favorite song on the record what's your favorite song on the side by side seven inch
2: Mm, i'm gonna go with um i think my life to live in sort of some way i just think it's kind of like a it's like a deeper emotional tune or something got a and the mosh part's pretty metal
1: yeah that's actually um that's my hot track for this
0: record too
2: yeah
1: (laughs) i'm gonna be the outlier then i I like using that term outlier uh mine is living a lie but it has a personal connection for me i um my youngest is named alex and literally like 50 percent of the reason he's named alex is for the
2: alex Oh and, shit! That's so and cool. then the yeah. other half
1: is the replacements, Alex Chilton. So that yeah.
2: song is it for me. I just always thought that sounded so fucking cool. Like I'm into, uh, and again, I just listened to it recently. But like, uh, backfire is such a crazy fucking song. If you think about it, like just it just goes from part into part into part into part, into part but it sort of works, and each part has its own kind of feel. Um, so I think backfire also is sort of uh, special. I mean, there's a funny lyric in it too, right? Like, um, yeah, I just like all the, uh, what goes up? The You're the disease. We're the cure. Yes. I mean, that's,
1: that's pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I, I would have loved to have heard more from Jules. Like I think the, well, that's what I wanted to ask when the alone, the crowd seven inch came out, did you hear that? And were you like, Oh wow, this is cause it's like, even harder i think in a way than side by side not saying it's better or worse but it has like you know even more of a like a tough sound to it
2: yeah i wonder if jules was the one that maybe said hey i gotta do this other band called alone the crowd i feel like i remember being a little jealous about it for some reason and i think you know there was a lot of that with a lot of my friends and bands and dudes that would lead to other bands and you know you know just kind of being protective over your band and your friends but um no, I remember hearing it, liking it. I think uh, the bell to go ding, ding, when Tigers fight. Like it was, yeah. but it's, you know, it was a good record. And I think I remember seeing them at the Anthrax and it was cool to see Jules on stage again. Yeah, there's great. that
1: famous, like vi- the video, you know, the grainy video of him. I think he's got like the white hooded sweatshirt yeah. pulled up and, you know, he comes out and like you said, there's a lot of like talking before the, in between songs um so it was just this real mysterious thing for me as like a young kid into hardcore like I didn't even have the 7 inch I had like a bootleg CD or something you know uh of it or yeah. and it had the live set I think too and just it's a great record too
2: It is and it's a good one Um now Jules was special man he was over the top you know in, in the best of ways like on stage he was pure passion and fire man it was it was great all right. Well,
0: Sammy, man, thanks so much for giving us your time. Yeah. I, uh, we, I apologize.
2: Uh, I can't remember every like little, uh, No, it was granny, but...
0: so long ago. I can't believe you even gave us yeah. that much <laughs> information. And, uh, we are going to hit you up somewhere down the road for the myriad of records that you played on and see if, yeah. uh, you know, you can get anything else down the line, but yeah, man, you time, thanks man. so much.
2: Yeah. Of course. Thank you guys. This is a brand new song which
0: fucking rocks. Luke from Warzone wrote it. Come on, fucking give a hand for Luke. Jesus Christ, what are you, a bunch of pussies? (laughs) Now I want to see Luke going off to his music. We're
1: waiting for this guy to tune. So uh, Luke, um, when we talked to Sammy about Side by Side, he had mentioned to us that you actually wrote The Time Is Now. Um, Could you talk about that a little
2: bit?
3: Yeah, um, those dudes side by side were like, uh, you know, all those guys I'd known uh, sort of forever. I mean, I'd known, Eric Eric and I had been friends since probably, um, I mean, like we were eight years old. I'd known Jules since gosh, like fifth grade probably. Um, And so Eric and I were playing in a band together And then Jules and Eric had another sort of side band. And then as kind of every, as all of us started getting more and more into hardcore, sort of, I kind of helped those guys sort of start shaping side by side a a little bit. Um, I wrote, I mean, so I spent, you know, I spent a lot, I went to school with Eric and Jules. um, like I mean, I I wrote, shoot, I wrote the lyrics to half of the uh, like side by side, like the actual song. Like I remember that in in uh, Jules's parents' basement in Weehawken, and, and then the time is now. Um, I was just like writing like songs on bass, and none of them were really, uh, you know, I was playing in Gorilla Biscuits at the time too, and um, you know, while he was you know while he was writing all that. And I had these songs and it just kind of was, I don't know, I was friends with those guys. So I wrote, I wrote all the music to that and then kind of, kind of conceived of it. And then the whole beginning, I actually wrote it at Alex Brown. Alex Brown used to live in this apartment on second Avenue in St. Mark's place. And, uh, I remember sitting in his, uh, in his like little like room that he rented in this apartment. And I wrote, the whole thing. And Alex wrote the whole like, sort of like melodic kind of intro that boo-dee-doo, doo doo And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I love those guys. You know what I mean? That's, that's cool. And like, you know, when I yeah. got the Civ
1: record, when it came out at that point, I didn't know side-by-side, side. I knew Gorilla Biscuits and I'd heard a Warzone. So when I hear that sample of Jules. Yeah. Do you re- do you remember anything about that show when he said oh, that?
3: Oh, oh my gosh, it was <laughs> completely. It's uh it was at the pyramid. It was not a super crowded show. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, it was it was there were people there, but it wasn't like a huge show. And then he di- and it was just uh just getting put on the spot and it's like well, all right, now it's like sort of like, you know, like at the wedding where it's like everybody makes a big circle and like waiting for everyone to go in the middle and dance. And it's all of a sudden like, well, I guess I got to go like, you know. That was going <laughs> to be my, my question. Dance. Did, did you
1: go off to your music like he requested? I, I
3: totally went off to my own music.
1: <laughs> that's, a, that's literally a 25-year like yeah. mystery for me is now
3: it's true I, you know and and then when i heard that on the civ record come out it was just what it's kind of like i'd forgotten about a lot of that stuff and it's like it's funny how one of those little things will just you know like a smell or something will just put you right back in that moment you know what i mean it's like i can i can kind of almost see like where i was in the crowd like at the pyramid you know what i mean the whole kind of like image of everything but uh yeah, that was uh, man. Side by side were a, uh, a a phenomenal force, man. During the time, very like just a wacky group of dudes, man. You know what I mean? And it all worked. You know what I mean? Great guys and the whole thing, uh, just like a cool time capsule, man. You know? Yeah,
1: like they had they had like and because of especially with Jules, they had yeah. this mystery for us, like people like me that didn't hear it until nineteen ninety seven or whenever yeah. it was reissued and then to get into it and just be like you know all the other bands we knew like oh youth of today these guys are in shelter gorilla biscuits you know they have sieve and you know quicksand and all that but jules it was always like especially before the internet it was like i don't know oh, one yeah. knows where he is you know what's oh, he, he doing t- he,
3: jules i mean jules took off man he uh it was he got you know he started alone in the crowd and then um he was trying to keep that going. And then I actually started, we actually started trying to do Alone in the Crowd. Uh, myself, he, uh, he, we tried to start doing Alone in the Crowd. It was um, like reforming it with like Jules, Howie, uh, myself playing drums and this guy Glenn playing bass. And we practiced a few times and um, Jules was just, he was, he was, you know, he was already like almost two feet out the door And he joined the Merchant Marine Academy and he became like a full on ship captain, like, you know, like sailing, like captaining freighters, you know, all over the, uh, you know, all over the world and everything. And he really, really, it's like, you know, there are a lot of people who after the internet and all this stuff would come up and, uh, you know, say like, Oh, I haven't seen that in so long or haven't, uh, you know, Oh, I forgot about that. Jules was like, legitimately like completely off the grid. And I remember speaking to him for the first time in years and years and years afterwards and he's just telling me about like, I couldn't believe it, I was in the airport and somebody had a Gorilla Biscuits shirt on. You know, and this is like, you know, probably like 2010 or something like that, 2011 and i was just like yeah dude it's uh things have changed a little bit man
1: <laughs> it's
3: crazy you know? and like
1: he yeah. uh sam mentioned that he did call uh you know sammy when when the Civ record came out and congratulated yeah. him and even by that point he was you know 5 6 years removed
3: yeah no jules is he's, he's he's a uh fantastic guy man um real smart guy made a lot of um you know i always got a lot of uh i always got a lot of um just kind of admiration for people who not just like, you know, who can make these really, really big transitions from something that's really important to them to another thing that's really important to them, you know, cause that's sort of, you know, the sort of, that sort of sacrifice of something that, you know, you're so embedded in and, you know, especially with like hardcore as a frontman it's like, you know, you kind of like, a lot of people are like, what are you going to do? What do you want to do? You know? And he really just, uh, he just kind of like followed his own path, man, and you know, in a very kind of uh, sticking, kind of true to like hardcore ideals, you know. Yeah, and it's but, cool uh, that
1: he came back. He did that alone, in the crowd show, and nobody absolutely. saw that coming.
3: Ab- oh, ab- absolutely, no, that was that was great, and I mean, especially you know to come back and do it, you know, for uh, you know do it for Howie and uh, who was sick at the time, and um, you know just kind of doing it for really like noble reasons, you know. He uh he really uh he really he really, really, really uh believed all that everything that he was singing about and speaking about, you know? And um he you know, he didn't really he didn't really compromise much on that. And I think that's um pretty rare, especially as hardcore gets, you know, because hardcore was always kinda you know, you you weren't in it for the money. <laughs> right. You weren't in it for the fame or anything like that. And then when some of those things, you know, starting, I guess, in the 90s, when things started to blow up a little bit and, you know, kind of the world opened up a little bit more to it. um, You know, it's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of kind of that uh, temptation as far as that goes that, you know, for a lot of people was sort of antithetical to, you know, sort of like hardcore values or what have you. Um, And um, he just, I think he just really just sort of, stuck to that uh stuck to his guns you know very 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 much in the mold of rabies as far as the way he would do things you know they always kind of yeah like
1: the side by side stuff always reminded me more of like a Warzone than
3: oh yeah than like oh, I mean, of
1: today or whatever like it had that sound to they, it
3: side by side played their first show with Warzone. um it was uh, it was actually the first time a lot of us. It was the first time I got to play at CB's. It was the first time side by side played at CB's. You know, a lot of the guys playing, and uh, they opened the show and they covered a Warzone song. <laughs> Even though we, like in Warzone played like you know two bands later, <laughs> you know it was like a real like uh, it was cool, man.
1: Yeah, like I I, I was just glad to you know to be able to t- talk about that the side by side stuff because you don't really hear you know i feel like they're kind of they're not forgotten among people who know but they're kind of like you know they're not really talked about the same way as some of the other bands of that era and that seven inch i i love it
3: it's great you know i mean some of that stuff i think is uh it's kind of nice for there to be still sort of those spots that haven't really been uncovered in hardcore you know i mean it's like great to search and find out all these stuff but I don't know. It's kind of nice for, I think, a lot of the people who have uh, spent a good part of their lives there to have sort of these kind of like, you know, kind of like locals only spots a little bit, you know, not like privatized, but just kind of like, yeah, if you know, you know, you know.
1: Yeah, I think that's cool. (laughs) Like side by side are kind of like that, like not to take anything obviously away from, you know, Gorilla Biscuits or Youth of Today, but side by side are one that's like, okay, yeah, you're, you know, what's up. Like if you see someone in a.
3: Yeah, and and it kind of brings, you know, as time goes on, it brings out, you know, it kind of uh, it just like adds this special kind of patina to the whole thing or something, you know, it's, uh, you know, you got people who go on to do different things. And it's like, you know, it's like the Internet. It's like you find a band you like and then you start sort of like deconstructing it and find out where they came from. And then all of a sudden you find this other thing. And, um, you know, it's nice to have some of these sort of like secret rooms. You know what side by side means
0: is not whether you if you're straight edge you stick together. It's not whether you're skinhead and stick
2: together. It's fucking everybody
0: in the scene that appreciates the music, that appreciates what we stand for, that appreciates whatever. It's not a fucking image. It's not a fucking image.
2: Fucking...
1: All right, so that was our interview with Sammy and a uh, little bit of Luke there. So
2: i yeah, hoping everyone
1: enjoyed. It's crazy how, you know, Sammy can remember
0: all that stuff. And I know we've talked about that before. We've mentioned it, that these kids, they were kids. They were fucking 13 years old when they were recording this stuff. And he still remembers so much. And I've also, I, I think it was Luke that was saying that Sammy still has everything. You know, he's got a fucking storage unit and he's got boxes and boxes of all this stuff. And I've tried to do that. You know, my unfortunately, my wife... Has to deal with my uh, hardcore hoarding tendencies. But I got totes out there of fucking flyers and zines and photos and shirts and all that shit. But now with this podcast and who knows
1: in the future, like that stuff is going to come in handy because I have it all there. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, it was Sammy that Luke said that about that he kind of has everything, which Sammy – you're sitting on a mountain of likes for your social media pages if you just start posting that stuff.
0: Yeah. I feel like, you know, with the, he could do something like the radio silence book or any of those, you know, photography books or zines or whatever. If, if someone just got a really nice uh, backdrop set up and started cataloging all of his stuff, taking
1: photos, I feel like Sammy could make his own book. So, Yeah. Um, And I think people would love to hear a story. I mean, I was thinking, you know, at the top of the episode, we mentioned bands he's been in. And I think one of my favorite bands he's been in, I didn't even mention was Civ. Like, so he's kind of been all over the map and he's been, you know, playing in bands on Rev and he played in, you know, Civ was on Atlantic records and rival schools were on Island. And, you know, he's kind of gotten to see all the sides of the music business as a young guy i mean he's only a couple years my senior and he's been doing it for basically his whole life yeah wilds uh so listen
0: i heard through the grapevine that you have been questioned as to my listenership of the side by side <laughs>
1: 7 inch <laughs> it's true so i've had a lot of friends so you know like we talked about in in the Probably the first episode of this is like you and I started off sort of, you know, you're on a different coast first off, but you know, we kind of had different experiences in the hardcore scene. So for me, you know, side by side was like you had to listen to them, right? And it was just like a given that, like, oh, you like hardcore, you like Revelation, you like side by side. So in the episode on, I believe it was Together, when you talked about being like, "Eh, I'm not that crazy about side-by-side. I forget what the exact quote is. I seriously had people reaching out like, love the episode, but what's with Javier saying he's not that into (laughs) side-by-side? And I was thinking like, well, I'm going to give him a chance to maybe explain a little deeper what his thoughts on side-by-side are. So the floor is yours, my friend.
0: So, you know, the entryway... Hardcore bands, especially with Revelation, are going to be Gorilla Biscuits, Judge, Youth of Today, maybe Inside Out, Burn. Like, these are the big seminal records. And I think, so I started going to shows in 91, 92, and those records were still in print. They were available. They were $3 at the record store, maybe $10 if you you wanted Burn on Pink. It was like $25 at the time or whatever. But the side-by-side record was already an expensive record by then. And the only way that I could get it as a youth was the Lost and Found CD version, which we've shared in our group chat, has the fucking ugliest, worst colorway (laughs) cover. I mean, I love it. I love those stupid colors, but like, A, it looks awful, and B, we're taught in the mid-90s, don't buy lost and found shit because it's bootleg. Now, a lot of those uh, records, Unit Pride, Walk Proud, uh, X marks the spot comp, Side by Side, Confront Maybe, that's the only way that we could get those on a non-7-inch format was buying a lost and found CD. But for whatever reason, my friend group... My inner circle just did not push the side-by-side seven-inch on me. And so it just didn't get imprinted on me
1: as a youngster. And I think think what a lot of people don't – it's almost like a selective memory with people that like – because I've explained this too, where if your group of friends that you got into hardcore with weren't into something, like didn't hip you to it, and to date ourselves here, it was pre-like – internet and social media where like you know you hear everybody talking about a hype thing and you can check it out like like an example for me is none of my friends talked about the cromax like i wasn't until i didn't until like maybe 99 or 2000 when i was on the rev board and saw everybody talking about them because before that if your friends you know didn't mention them or weren't listened to they weren't on your radar so i I can totally see it
0: but i i still i had to be given those from someone somewhere along the way. And I can remember exactly where someone handed me a No Fernandes or um, a Four Walls Falling cassette into my hands and said, here, listen to this shit. But that just didn't really happen to me with Side by Side. So I have a a deep appreciation for the record. I understand its importance. I think it's a good record. I don't dislike it, but it just was not something that was a, a part of my life growing up. And you know what? I've reconciled with that. I'm okay with it. I'm at peace with it. And I think often in hardcore, people's merit maybe is determined by what they're into. And it's easy to try and discredit people if they don't like something like, oh, you don't like this band? Or you didn't grow up listening to this band? Well, you don't know shit. And I I think that's wrong. So- What do they call that? Gatekeep? Isn't that gatekeeping? Yeah, gatekeeping. Yeah. So fuck all the, the New York hardcore gatekeepers- well actually I shouldn't say fuck them all because that's not a very nice thing to say but that I <laughs> I don't think that's I don't think it's this is necessary. All him.
1: I love New York man. I love I love
0: New York hardcore I know, too. I'm just kidding. I mean and I, <laughs> I have I have friends in New York City but um, I just you know whatever it just it just wasn't a part of my landscape growing up and but now that we've done the episode you know what these songs will go on a Spotify playlist and if someone covers one of these songs, like when we get to go back to hardcore shows, maybe I would sing along.
1: When we're 50? When we're
0: yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I think, and that's an important aspect of maybe this podcast is that people will get into records that maybe they didn't give it a chance. Uh, even the other day, I was listening to the Meep Meep podcast, which is a new friend of the pod, uh, Bit at Bo a Meep Meep podcast and he's doing the roadrunner records catalog and i love sepultura chaos ad but they started exploring it in a way that's like a super deep dive and so i listened to some of the songs that maybe i would skip over and you know maybe i'll listen to life of agony which i also I, i'm scared to say that i don't really enjoy life of agony and i'm proud to say i don't like typo negative
1: but maybe i'll listen to those records i like all three <laughs>
2: I, so, I just, yeah. Said, yeah,
1: so shout out to or a bit of bow to meep meep yeah um because i i i enjoyed i listened to the first there's only three episodes and um the typo negative bloody kisses like i saw what i guess my my the point of wrapping this all on a bow so that it sort of makes sense is like their criticisms of the record i i understood like they were merited like there's some jokey songs on there and uh, some of the songs maybe are a little bit long for the ear, but I have been listening to that for 20 years. So for me, that stuff didn't really bother me. But, um, and it's sort of the same thing with like, you know, like you with the side by side. It's like if if you're hearing it now with, you know, 40 something years or it's just different.
0: Yeah. Um, I think these deep dives There's a lot of podcasts doing it. You know, there's one for Discord. There's one for Roadrunner. There's one for Rev. And we've talked about exploring other records on, you know, maybe bonus episodes or side podcasts. Now you have the ability to hear someone talk about these records in a way that maybe you didn't think about, and you get to hear information and and Shinfo from the people who made the record and that should hopefully give people a deeper understanding and appreciation of these records that we're covering so the side by side this this side by side episode actually helped me like the side by side seven inch
1: more and i consider that a win definitely and um you know i'm still finding stuff out you're finding stuff out like we um you know, when we did the interview with Arthur and Luke for the Gorilla Biscuit 7-inch, I had no idea that there was a period where Arthur didn't play bass in the beginning. I knew at the end he didn't. And um, apparently a lot of other people didn't either. And it made the Rev fun fact for the yeah, week. Yeah, bit of Which bow. I was like, yeah, bit of bow for that because I was pretty excited to see that. Um, and bit of bow to my pal Conrad for being the one to tell me that we made the fun fact. So, um friend of the pod so yeah friend that was God. that was really cool but okay so thinking of side by side would you say this record is essential and you can be honest
0: well uh man if i don't know i that's that's a really tough question um i, I think if you are interested in collecting revelation records and knowing the history of revelation records and knowing the history of not only New York hardcore, but East coast hardcore or American hardcore or whatever. If you're, if you're interested in those stuff, yeah, it's essential. Can you get by without having the side by side seven inch in your collection? I think you can. So I don't know. I'm not maybe the one to answer that question, I think and we'll go we'll go back to some of my other maybe half ass answers in the past episodes. I think it's crucial, but
1: it maybe is not essential okay okay see i I think it's essential, um but there's a bias there because I just personally love the record. I think that um first off, it's essential for being the first real recorded output of Sam Siegler, mm-hmm. which. It's just cool in and of itself. Like imagine having like, you know, I'm trying to think of a a normal band like that, uh, that we like, like, I don't, okay. Like imagine the Smiths and, Mm -hmm. you know, Mike Joyce, the drummer had a band when he was 13 that actually didn't suck. Mm -hmm. Like that's kind of what it's like. Like here's this guy that went on to all this iconic stuff and he's got on record him playing at 13 years old. And it doesn't suck. And people still are listening to it today. Um, but I also think that the songs just hold up for me. Like, you know, I named my son 50% after the mosh call, you know, where Jules yells Alex. Uh, that's cool. Like we talked about in the interview. Um, I think we talked about it in the interview. Maybe I just talked about it to myself. <laughs> but um, like, you know, I think Jules as a vocalist had a cool voice because it was like different. They, side by side to me, had a little more of like a war zone sound to them, more war zone than youth of today. I mean, when I first heard Backfire, I don't remember being immediately grabbed by it, which is weird because it was slow. Like for me, like I was like, oh, this isn't fast. And then, you know, that was maybe when I was like 16 or whatever. And then very quickly I came around to them. But like it's something different. Like it opens with this song "Backfire" that's like a you know mid tempo, almost slow, uh, you know, really anthemic. Though, you know, the artwork's iconic. Like we talked about the LL Cool J silhouettes. I only had the you know I only have the twelve inch, uh, which has the different artwork. It still has the silhouettes, um, and I saw also that that collage and everything. That layout was done by um, Rev alumni Jeff Caudle from uh oh, game from game face. face. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, I know maybe some people when we did talk about with Sam, I forget if it's, uh, you know, in the interview or if it was before, or after, you know, those layouts now we can look and be like, Oh man, they messed up this classic layout. But even the youth of today ones that I'm not a fan of those redone layouts at the time people were, that's what people were into. Like Sam mentioned it. And it is true because I was even talking to, you know, a friend and he was saying like in the 90s, like that was what people wanted. They wanted those like collage looking, you know, covers. But I've kind of gone off on a tangent. But yeah, I think it's an essential record. I love it. I wish I had the 7-inch, um, but I'll have to settle for just having the reissued 12. I think
0: I'm going to try and track down the um, Lost and Found cd version so i could listen to it in my car i I, and i I, now at 43 and with the fashion trends that are available in the world i think that that cover of the lost and found version is actually pretty cool
1: like yeah it's funny it's like now it's kind of like like i could almost see that on a shirt more
0: than
2: i can see
1: you know like it's like the blue with red red and yellow it's like very primary yeah yeah uh what else is on there is the together comp song on there Uh, yo i have no fucking clue i'll have to get
0: it and i'll post pictures of it to the instagram or blog when i get it but i don't even know if i you know i'm sure it's on discogs or ebay or something and uh, i can grab it for a non-exorbitant price i'm hoping that uh bootleg stuff the prices shouldn't be high you know, and and I'll, I'll try and wheel and deal maybe to get stuff. But um, this podcast has actually made both of us start collecting Rev releases and paraphernalia, much to the chagrin of our wives, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, <but. laughs> definitely.
0: I mean, um, I have the nickname of Rev Suit Man. Yeah. And I <laughs> I already got a, I won't say I'm going to save it for an uh, upcoming episode, but I just bought a sealed Rev Release cassettes, and I have another one that I'm about to pull the trigger on too. Like, why the fuck do I need to buy sealed cassettes in 2020, yeah, except right. for to open the shit on air so you can hear the crinkling of the shrink wrap and whatever? uh Yeah, that'll be in a couple weeks,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, we, we won't give away, but I'll we will get. Yeah, we'll get into it. It'll 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 be cold out here on the east coast by the time we get to that. That's all I can say. But yeah, the the side by side too. One more thing I wanted to add is that this. You know we were looking at um r- reviews of it fr- from the time period uh that are in the record aficionado book, which by the way bid Bo, my good friend uh alex Byrne, um he had told me that you know we neglected to mention that this book was actually compiled by uh, j bill It's oh. not written on there any anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, but we do want to give credit because it's like we've mentioned it before. It's um, as far as I know, still available on Rev HQ. Uh,
0: yeah, I got mine from Rev like what a month and a half ago or so. So, um, if you're into Rev collecting, or if you're into this podcast, or whatever, or if you're into books, I highly suggest that you pick up these re- Record Aficionado books, especially yes.
1: vol. This volume two. Yeah, think- it's it's this is essential if you're in. I mean, it's got. Interview or not interviews, reviews, uh-huh. ads, um, you know, all this cool stuff that shows that, you know, it's a great way for those of us who can't afford like a together actual record, record right. to have access to the, you know, front and back and inserts.
0: Yeah.
1: But, um, reading the reviews for that, um, for side by side, I realized that this was actually a posthumous release. Um, by the time it came out, they had broken up. So, one of the things I know Luke touched on when we talked to him and I, I I forget if it made the interview or not, is like how short some of these bands were around. Like we talked about the, you know, the pandemic we're in right now, you know, side by side only lasted for twice this amount of time, like something like, you know, a year and a half or whatever it was. Yeah. And And alone in a crowd played one show. Yeah. And like, it's just these little like blips on the radar, Mm -hmm. but the fact that like, we're still talking about it in 2020 is a testament, you know, that it had some lasting power, but yeah, yeah, I think, I don't want to say this was the first posthumous release for revelation. Cause like the war zone, they kind of broke up and got back together, I think, but they got back together. See side by side. I know they got back together for like the one show, the Roger benefit. Um, but that was one show. Um, so yeah. yeah this was, I said we this can was say it's posthumous. Like, yeah. yeah. This was like um you know really a documentation of a time. Like mm-hmm. sort of like I know I've mentioned before but like discord how a lot of those early discord 7 inches you know Ian MacKay released even though the band's broke up just as being like hey this happened it's recorded and it's you know it's it's there forever like Yeah and that's, that's a chance you going.
0: have to take with a record label sometimes is you you might be stuck with a certain record for years and years and years or you could put out a record that becomes crucial and you just kind of let it run its course and then you repress and then you repress looking through some of these rev um the rev catalog and some of these how many times they've been repressed over the years it's wild and how many thousands of copies of this record are out there is wild but i'm,
1: um, I'm curious as to and maybe someone from revelation that was listening can let us know like what made them choose to like let this one go out like the war zone i get i i we know the whole thing about rabies basically asking them not to repress it but like together side by side i wonder what even chain of strength what kept them from just repressing it in its actual original form original form and not doctoring it up because like i said when we do the chain that's uh, I'm excited for the chain of strength episode because I have some strong thoughts on doctoring things up. Oh yeah. But for uh, sure. we'll, we'll save that yeah. for, for later. Jeez. Yeah, but um, yeah. So side by side, Um, hope everyone enjoyed the interview.
0: Yeah. This is and, a great episode. It was a great episode to record, um, you know, be able to touch base with Sammy, be able to get Luke in, um, open my mind a little bit on a rev release and, uh, yeah i'm I'm stoked on
1: how all this happened yeah absolutely cool. and, and what do we got so next week next week is uh revelation number six no for an answer you laugh ep their first uh west coast so west coast for you javier yeah uh, their first west coast signing mm-hmm. so uh cool that should be cool all right we'll see you next yeah. week see you later